1: This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome
0: to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of saying, hey, that game you've been playing,
1: it ain't like that.
2: What? Who changed everything on me? Wait a we're, minute. We're just going to
1: flip the script, flip the table, flip the house. Flip the Wilson. Yeah. Everything old is new again. Yep.
0: yep. Turn over that rock. Yep. Anyways, uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about... Should some games be actually virtual reality uh, versus what they seem to be? Uh, And uh, we already talked about detecting whether or not the game you're playing as a player is a virtual reality environment Uh, way back in episodes 48 and 49. Oh, jeez. Because considering we're up in the six hundred and twenties, that's amazingly long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that was—I was still a newbie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, uh, John and uh, Blix were Licks. were were, yeah. were, were co-hosts, co- 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 and you were just barely on. So yeah, you know. I started twenty-four. So yeah, yeah. So that was like you know what a year later, you know. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Anyways, yeah uh, so we talked about how to do that, and I do recommend that you go back and listen to those episodes uh, because they will, of course, be, uh, would, would help inform you about what we're talking about. But specifically, uh, uh, the, my co-host wanted to say, you know, raise the question of whether a game like Fringeworthy or a game like Hardware Hinterland, and I myself would, would also like to bring in the, op- the option of um, uh, Weird Zone. Uh, oh, okay. These games, uh, yeah. yeah, these <clears throat> games in particular uh, raise the question of: Is this, you know, you know, is this actually a, a virtual reality situation? And you and, and all these experiences that you have in the game, uh, outside of 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 you know, perhaps the portal that you go through initially in Fridgeworthy um, are they are they not really real? Are they really just an, a, a virtual reality? And is that better? See, because if it isn't better, you don't want it to be true, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right, so maybe we should start off with that, okay? We should say, what you know, what is it about a virtual reality uh, uh, environment, you know, uh, that is better than, a, you know, someplace where the laws of physics just might be different? Or just the way the world is. I mean, this is the world. You know, what, you know you know, real physical laws affecting you in a real physical way. Okay, so why would a virtual reality be better?
2: Well, I, I think we saw this in the now four Matrix movies where, what is it Morpheus said? Some laws can be bent, others can be broken. And you can do all this cool stuff once you realize that I guess the term would be the hacks. Okay. And so, I mean, you it, it could be, if the fringe paths were once you leave your world you are digitized somehow either your body is put in space state spaces well yeah a stasis space yeah I just made a new word folks mm-hmm. your body is put in stasis and your' it's just all downloaded into this brain or you are actually digitized and then just pff, out you go and again once you're finding out how to quote-unquote hack the system yeah you can start doing cool things it's just when you get back to your home world go back through the portal you first went through you're back in a physical corporeal flesh and blood form well okay if you are that i mean let's face it the fringe paths have an infinite number of races Some of them could be living electricity you know just alternate biological um so right. yeah i mean it it could be where you could really expand what you think you can do based on The rules of the massive Computer system you've entered So it, you could really push your Limits and of course it would also Redefine again we're using Human as a baseline it could Redefine what it is to be human And again Morpheus said what you know what is Real it, it's you know our Senses are all basically electrical impulses That our brain does interpret. Uh, yeah yeah they, they, they And of course also What, what is it that I heard um, basically that we perceive everything. It's just, our brains are such that we can only coalesce and recognize certain signals. Let's just say we could see in the infrared and ultraviolet is just, our bodies cannot perceive that our eyes cannot perceive that the rods and cones, you know, it only perceives so much, uh, of the visible light spectrum. So once we get out there what's to say once you learn that hack oh i know i have you know i have dark vision i have you know heat vision i can see heat signatures i have ultrasonic hearing you know your senses might be heightened because now you don't have that physical limitation of oh the human brain again okay. they would be learning the hacks so
0: okay so you you're saying that you know the the advantage of a virtual reality is is that it allows additional abilities to be conferred upon the person who's going who's who's now in that environment compared to how they would have been how they are or how they used to be before they went into that environment
2: yep and as i said it it our bodies have finite limits we were just talking about this before you know we started recording the human body has its limitations and there are even some saying that it's sorta of evolutionary kind of Because we read stories all the time of these races. Again, um, the show that must not be named. Oh, they ascended, you know, and they're beings of energy now. They have transcended. What's the term? Transubstantiated beyond a physical mortal form. Right. Kind of doing this with the the digital system. And folks, this is a thought experiment, basically. It's something we came up a while back, and I it's been itching at the back of my brain. Oh, I want to try this, and oh, the time is right. So, yeah, I think that it would be a good way to find out just what you as an entity can do without the quote and air quotes here hindrance of a physical corporeal body right and, and again and,
0: and and we are super super hand waving the fact that as we are playing a role playing game we are essentially in a virtual reality well yeah yeah, yeah yeah so so our characters in the game you know are are expe- expect the 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 world around them to follow certain rules. The question right. we're raising is: Are those rules static, stat- well, unchangeable? Okay, yeah. or are they, you Morphic. know, Yeah. Or they are the rules that can be changed under certain circumstances, and are do those circumstances have rules of theirs as well? Now, uh, you know, in now in, uh, I, I I could take the easy way out. And I could say is that the one thing we know about programmers is they're sloppy, okay, is that they're lazy because they always are reaching, you know, their reach is always greater than their grasp, and therefore there's always going to be errors in the code that can be exploited. So if you are someone who's trying to see whether or not you're in a virtual reality, then you know, there always should be a way of detecting it, which is a lot of what we talked about back in uh, episode 48, 49. But I don't want to do that, okay? Uh, instead, uh, you know, what? Um, uh, we're going to assume that all the code was written very, very well, okay? And, uh, and, and so therefore, it you know, the reality that you see is going to have uh, versimilitude. It's going to, it's going to be acceptable to your brain you know, uh, once you basically understand, it's going to be consistent. It's going to be rules based. Okay, yeah. so there, you know, and therefore, if there is these abilities that that Trav is talking about, it is intended for you to learn about them and for you to, you know, through diligence of 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 that. You know, just like we learned about electromagnetism. And as a result of that, we are able now to have television, radio, internet, um, walkie-talkies, you know, all these things that our forebears before this happened could never have conceived. They, they would have thought that was magic. They would have thought that that was a cheat, that somebody had broken the system by allowing that to happen. And the, and the answer is no. It's just something that required, you know, and uh, someone smart enough to figure out that if they do certain things, they're going to be able to detect the existence of radio waves and then, you know, figure out a way of using those radio waves, generating radio waves and find, you know, uh, and then take modifications of that till you finally end up with something like a, a radio you know and a transmitter and, and you know creating the telephone and other things like that those those were a long process and someone had to figure it out so i'm i'm not saying that you know that, that you're you're hacking when you're hacking the system i don't think we're we're you know we're we're basically somehow you know uh, uh breaking the system i think that the system is you know uh this is just another layer Inside the system for those who are smart enough to to make use of it. So um, now
1: you may disagree, Jonathan. Do, do you agree with that or disagree? It's fine with me. I could go either way. I mean, it, I like the idea. If especially if we're talking about the fringe paths or uh, hard the hardwired hinterland, where these are, you know, if we're going with the ideas that these are worlds designed from the get go to be digital, then yeah, absolutely, I could see there being essentially cheat codes, so to speak, or developer commands hidden in the in the system that, you know, you just have to think a certain way to unlock them and stuff like that, or things of that nature. The
2: Termellern being the ones who programmed it, they would have sysadmin and backdoor access. That's mm-hmm. why, oh, that's why the Termellern are immortal.
0: Let me throw a couple things in here. You can basically say that this part of reality is this way simply by fiat. You simply say, this is the way it is. And then I make the rules so that, you know, to not necessarily, you don't even have to underpin it with with rules of reality. It just simply is that way. Okay. And this is how I feel uh, uh, about certain aspects of hardware hinterland, specifically the fact that no matter how high you go, the the air pressure is exactly the same.
2: Oh. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because I told you, I'm running a Hardwired hairline campaign now. This, this, uh, two days from this taping is my third session. And yeah, that, that, yeah, I reading that. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, you're right. Yeah. That'll be Uh something else that'll get thrown in.
0: Ooh. Right. Because the uh, 400 miles up is the fusion, you know, uh,
1: the, the helium, the the helium helium fusion layer that produces
0: all the light. Okay.
1: I was just about to ask how high that is. So, yeah, if it's 400 400 miles,
2: miles, let's see. It's 400 miles, then 2,000 feet of no gravity. And within that 2,000 feet, 100 feet is that helium layer that in the morning it kicks in microfusion. And it's basically if you fly into that, you're flying in the sun, you get atomized. So, yeah. Yeah. So and 400 miles. Let's see. That's uh, I had to check this for another game. That is the upper level of the ionosphere, yet, yeah, air pressure doesn't change. You could be right underneath that null gravity zone, and you're still breathing the same. It's not the air is thin. And
0: your plane is flying the same.
2: Yes. Yeah. Now,
0: in, in, in our world, in our universe, okay, we know that as you go up higher, air pressure gets less, okay? Yes. For two reasons. One is because it's being spread out over a larger and larger radius, you know, so therefore it should get less like that. And yeah. the second reason is because the the uh, gravity is less inverse square law the further you go up. But the real reason is the fact is that these, because of gravity, it's pulling the air molecules down and they basically stack on top of each other at the very, uh, the weight of these atoms, okay, basically increases. So you have 14.2 pounds per square inch at the bottom at sea level, but up in, at, at a hundred miles, you basically have no gravity. Okay, I mean, I mean, you have no air. That's what's. That's where the um, the space station, you know, the International Space Station runs around. It's around a you know, hundred kilometers, whatever. That's supposed to be. That's what's considered to be the edge of space.
1: Okay, yeah. this yeah. is
0: four times that distance.
1: Yeah. See, that's the thing. If it was less distance, because this kind of goes into what my belief behind like evidence that the hardwire innerland is digital is the fact that if it was less distance, I would say that it could easily be the fact that you have the upper layer that is also exerting gravity. The you know the upper layer above the, the yeah, field. So yeah,
0: the yeah, up- the upside. Yeah the inner land. Yeah. So
1: that, you know you could have if it's relatively equal gravity between those two plates, so to speak, then yeah, that would explain the air pressure. But if we're talking, yeah, four hundred miles No, because yeah. that my my my, my reasoning for the digital was that just the fact that you have an an upper layer and a you know two plates facing each other both with gravity in um, opposite directions they, they
2: already and as i said I'm running the campaign so i've had to really get into reading this um rich did say okay the up and down levels of the hinterland are basically within the shell of a dyson sphere that the commonwealth ter- Mellorn made yeah, and, and this and does come into portals 4 the yeah. whole thing there at the end. and oh, I'm willing the to buy, can
1: go. I'm willing to buy that. It, it, but even then, a Dyson Sphere... I'm not. Well... <laughs> okay. But again. even then, a Dyson Sphere, the gravity is going to come from, you know, the spinning, if there is gravity in, on the inside of it, they should come from, from spin gravity. Uh, so the, one the, of the those two sides...
2: can hand wave if they can sit there and do what they can do. And here's the thing. Okay, we, we can say that Oh yeah, you know, it's within the shell of a Dyson sphere. What's to say they didn't make that just a giant server.
1: And that's that's the thing, yeah. Like which is easier to, cre- to create this complicated Dyson sphere that you've manipulated the gravity inside of or create a giant Matryoshka brain which is basically a c- computer version of a Dyson sphere and it's just a virtual world in there. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know which is harder because, you know, essentially we're supposed to believe that these games are, you know, are are completely believable. I mean, these, 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 these universes and, you know, these realities in which they exist. So if you start getting out your telescopes and your, your, your detectors and things like that, and you don't detect anything weird, then, you know, either they've already anticipated that, and they're feeding you the information that supports what it is, they're trying to do, uh, you know, or it's real. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, this is the thing is, it's almost like there's a conspiracy upon conspiracies to make you believe this reality. Okay. Um, I would basically say that if I, if I was a programmer trying to create a virtual reality, the first thing I would do is that I would program the brain to not be curious about whether it was, it was an artificial reality. <laughs> You know, he's just kind of like, no, you don't think about those thoughts. Every time he tries thinking about those thoughts, you start thinking about supermodels and, you know, uh, yeah. buff buff people, you know, all that, that uh, thinking about sex every other every other second. You know, that that's
1: I, I wouldn't go against that, except it depends on what you're creating the simulation for. If it's right. if, you know, if you want true to life, so to speak, sentient entities then you don't want to mess with their brainwaves. But. Yeah, if it's just for entertainment, and you're not really trying to study, like, social interaction, or, you know, experiment on history, or anything like that, and you just want to provide a place for these people you've kidnapped from across the multiverse.
2: Well, yeah, basically, remember, going to the hinterland, all it is is you take a left turn, and just... And you're
1: there. Yeah. Yeah, so if it's just a place to to dump all these random jetsam and flotsam across the multiverse, then, yeah, you could mess with them, but...
2: Well, yeah, I mean, let's face it, you have, I mean, anybody who looks at the hinterland, okay, you have these 200-mile-to-a-side, perfectly square islands. If you go to a corner, you will see the square corner there, and they are laid out in a grid system with 200 miles of ocean in between all of them, and it goes on ad infinitum, unsovider, on and on. You're going to look at this and go, okay, you know what, this, as my one friend Kerry Springer would say, taint natural. And you would realize, okay, somebody has a really weird sense of humor that made Well, this. somebody
0: made this. It's obvious yeah. that somebody made
2: this. Yes. And you realize things like, okay, 99% of the time, you're deposited on an environ that suits your your mindset. They're saying libertarians go to New Akron. and. Brits and Canadians end up in almost Windsor. Now, every so often, you're going to have a glitch in the system where, yeah, you have this alien from the Andromeda galaxy who's there in Noram, or you're going to have this or no, sword and sorcery medieval person in Noram, or a a someone from the 25th century and is all science ends up in magic cost. Glitches in the system. But usually it says that 99% of the time, and, and it doesn't give that exact fraction but usually you end up in an environment that suits your general mindset so there's been a lot of um, supposition well maybe this is an afterlife
1: yeah or an afterlife or again something is reading your brain waves as you're coming in
2: which even then if the termelor can sit there and scan across the multiverse and oh let's pick this person and drop them here out of out of a world because it's already been it's like negative 125 or negative 116 comma 8. It's in portals 2 the hinterwired hard land was what Rich put it as and you end up coming out of a warp or a portal on New Akron. so that it's connected it, it, it that was you know like 15 years ago when Rich came up with that. So yeah it's it's just plucking people reading people and going oh this person might do good here. I see it as, it, for the and the Commonwealth Termellern, a big social experiment. I do. I just see it as, oh, let's get, get this person, put them here and see how they react. And you have most people see it as a second chance. There are some that dive and crawl into a bottle and never come out. Those are the ones that are called uh, quiets, where they just sit at a bar all day and just, you know, drink themselves blind. You know. But, yeah, I see it as a big social experiment made by a godlike race that have god tech which we know the Tremelor do and the Commonwealth did too. So, and just, oh yeah, we've made this giant server in the shell of a Marioska brain, it's called.
1: Matrioska brain.
2: Matrioska, I was close. I was a letter off. Matrioska brain, yeah, let's just see for S and G, what happens when we pl- pluck this person, put them here. Ooh, what about the same type of person, but we put him over in that environment. And I would just, and also I would see, okay, you have all of these, um, uh, Boneyards. Let's see. There's one for the DC threes in New Akron. There's the Ford Fiestas in Edgewood. And there's one of nothing but T sets. I forget what environ is, but it's basically there's thousands of T sets all over the place. Again, I'd see that as a glitch in the code. Just yeah, for all of a sudden, you know, and you have the restorkees who are coming in and oh, we just we're gonna put a copy of Lower Manhattan here in this forest.
1: This just made me think of something, because another topic we're going to discuss later, it would be uh, the capabilities of the big system. This makes me wonder if the hardwired hinterland isn't just the server for the big system, and now that the big system is off, it doesn't know what to do with itself, so it's grabbing random people and and materials. Random
2: worlds and just, let's put it here. Let's put it here. <laughs> oh, we have a space oh, up here. In the I'm out of tea
1: sets I need to grab another. Somebody's going to order a T-set at some point. I need to grab a T-set. Oh, okay. Grab it. I'll put it over here. All right. Somebody's going to order <laughs> Oh, that,
2: no. And, and I, I can get away with saying this. No, that's not autistic behavior, collecting thousands of tea sets or thousands of DC-3s or thousands of Ford Fiestas. Oh, no. No. I could see. Yeah, oh. there was somebody there with that just going, some glitch in the code going, right and well, you know
0: yeah. You know that to Mellon were all about that. They have entire worlds that do nothing but make tea sets.
2: That's true. And they had their and, farm and, worlds and their and they have
0: these enormous warehouses yeah. where, you know, and they're full of them. They keep loading back end loading in the front end. They're all now, you know, stained or whatever, they're crumbling, you know, and they just take them out and turn them into fertilizer and keep the cycle going. This you could know. be a the way of getting materials
2: way. This could be a way of, okay, our world is starting to build up here. We're going to end up, you know, this world's going to look like the one in WALL-E if we don't shunt these somewhere. Oh, look, let's dump them all here on this particular environment. Oh, we made a bunch of Ford Fiestas and we have too many. Dump them here. Oh, DC3s. Dump them here.
0: Yeah. Like I said, so you, you basically have this fiat, you have this thing where uh, the, you know, the, the air is, and, and the wet, uh, and the environs themselves in Hardware Hinterland, I mean, you know, you have a, a an ice cap, you know, uh, right next to a uh, tropical island environ. They're just separated by 200 miles, okay? The weather doesn't slip over to each other. They don't inform right. each other. Everybody is siloed into their particular weather pattern all right and you know I mean maybe it's being done by you know subatomic you know nanites and things like that keeping everything collimated properly we just can't see them because they're just too tiny okay uh or you know it could be that uh you just simply said once you go beyond this this boundary in the map Okay, then these different set of rules apply. So now the weather changes, or yeah, it's Minecraft uh, rules. Instead of instead of getting rain showers, you get snowstorms. All right, and and, and in in an, uh, a virtual reality, it's, that's easy to do. Yeah, yeah, and you literally can walk. You know, one side, the other side. I mean, uh, in No Man's Sky, uh, you literally walk through a door. And you're like broiling hot 200 degrees to like 40, you know, 40 degrees Celsius, whatever, you know, inside. There's an open doorway there. In some cases, it's like, it's not even a door. It's just like a wall that's got a big piece missing out of it. And you just walk in. There is nothing inside that. It's the The, the house is made out of wood. Yeah. It's not made out of, you know, it doesn't have like, you know... It's It's not pressurized uh, or anything. Pressurized, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have like electronics built into it, so that it basically keeps the environment a certain like that. You literally walk from one side to the other, and it's like completely different. And uh, and believe me, that's part of the game, because, you know, if you stay out there too long, you're going to die. So you you have to find places to to be protected, and... um, and, and and that's the rule in the game. If you get a certain number of feet underground, you know it's the the, the 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 environment on the surface no longer applies. If you go inside of a building, the environment outside no longer applies. Okay so um, you know and, and in a way in that you, you have that same kind of thing going on because you know these um, uh, these environs, these square islands are, columnar in that sense because in the in there and there is a weather system by the way that applies to the ocean you know it's different it's like ocean weather you know you've got you got rainstorms you got you know other stuff like that so um it's so you literally within a 200 mile distance you can have three different weather environments going on weather patterns going on and it's perfectly fine. That's just the way it is.
2: Yeah, uh, and, yeah. Here for, okay, weather, and I'm off of page 28 of Hardwire Hinterland. Second Edition, folks. Weather varies from environ to environ. Normal weather conditions include seasonal climate changes from spring to winter with random rain, fog, and winds. Tornadoes are extremely rare. At the edge of any environ, the weather of that environ takes precedent, precedence. Over the oceans, and I want to... The weather is a crisp and bright 71 degrees most of the time. This does not change by altitude, which that right there, anybody who knows about piling would realize, okay, the temperature is the same. Because remember, with the lightning crystals, you can fly in the mass and, you know, you're having fights on a wing and stuff. You would realize, wait a minute, we're up, you know, this height and it's not butt-biting cold. Yeah, yeah. Why are there start, clouds? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean there are clouds, it's
0: just but after but a while. Why are there clouds? Okay. Yeah. Clouds that occur because you go up a certain distance and it gets colder and the and the water vapor, you know, starts yeah. collecting and turning itself into clouds. Okay. Also the air pressure gets a little less. And I'm I'm just saying that, you know, clouds are basically mist in the morning that's at yeah. an altitude. All right, you know, but
2: you Oh, so that's like the old thing fog is just a cloud with a fair of heights. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, amazingly,
0: amazingly yeah. <laughs> accurate in your main statement here. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just saying though, is that why are there the clouds? But why I mean are there clouds at 400 miles? Or are there layers of clouds? You know, the you know, that's not even in the book. So I'm just saying is that the GM can basically do whatever they want to. Yeah. You know, uh, uh the one thing I can say is that if you're in a plane and you are 400 miles up, nobody is seeing you. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we had people who hid uh, in their planes for like weeks, even months at a time, uh, in up in the upper atmosphere because nobody could find them, because nobody could see them. Yeah. You know, they, they were just tiny in comparison to the distance involved, you know, and so, you know, it, if you... If you played the game, you've read the book, you know. There's a story called A Pig and a Pokey, you know, and it, and one of the whole things is keeping this one character safe for like a two-week period against assassins and all kinds of things. And my players said, "Well, we just need to keep him safe, right? You know, we, we. I was expecting to have all this cloak and dagger people, you know, informants telling them them constantly going from one, you know, uh, uh." fighting set piece to another and things like that. No, they put him on a plane up to 400 miles, basically put balloons out. Okay. And they just hung up in the air for two, two weeks until it was time for him. And then they just basically dive bombed down, landed the plane, you know, fought their way up to the, uh, 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 to the courtroom and delivered him to the bailiff. And it was like, Oh okay that was simpler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know there was no reason you know that, that to them it, it it was it was silly not to take advantage of that. So,
1: yeah. You know. Well, yeah.
0: And so anyways that that was so but I'm saying is and and because of rules like that, I mean the, the 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 reality of this world is like that. They took advantage of it. They didn't try to break it you know what most of the time when people talk about life hacks they're talking about something that you haven't thought about that's useful to do yeah and that's essentially what they were doing they weren't breaking any rules um though you might say that you know in, in any other reality it wouldn't have worked you know for a number of reasons you know but they uh, uh but it was fine for them and they did that so you know uh, uh so again back to reasons why uh, a virtual reality might be an advantageous thing. Is that generally speaking, in any kind of MMORG, it's really important for people to be able to communicate with each other. Okay, because the stories that are there can be given to you like quest givers and such, but ultimately you need to talk to each other. And so either you have to talk across, you know, and people might be in different time zones and different countries and things like that. You get to the hardware hinterland. And everybody understands each other, regardless of where they came from. Now you could say, "Well, this is some kind of low-grade telepathy," and maybe you're right. Okay, or it could simply be that you're in a virtual reality, and therefore, when you try to communicate to somebody else, it's basically being, you know, somehow interpreted by the system in quotes you know and a proper translation is given to the person who hears it and it all sounds perfectly fine
2: yeah it says uh, i believe it says you speak your own language and everybody else understands it so you could be speaking lithuanian and you're talking to somebody who speaks american english and they understand it as american english
0: right so yeah
2: it most likely some type of translation effect is in
0: effect there Right. And so, you know, that's, that doesn't follow along with any kind of an idea of, of a reality, okay? We're not talking about gravity here. We're not talking about electromagnetism, okay? We're literally saying that one person, when they say words, okay, someone else hears them, maybe in their own language, maybe they just understand the intent of the words, yeah. Okay. But the point is, is that that translation matrix you're talking about is like it's basically the spell tongues. I mean, yeah, it yeah is, I, it is, it's pure magic. I
2: put that on the character sheets for Carrie, Gina, and Fur, who were in this new campaign. Constant tongues effect. Right. Just, now, no.
0: I, because we say in our universe we don't have that. Not only can we hardly understand each other, we can't understand animals. Yeah. You know, and so. Therefore, you know, nothing, you know, uh, so in the hardwire hinterland, this is an exceptional ability that people it's, it's, and it's there from a gamer standpoint to, to basically allow you to communicate with, with the,
2: uh, the gift of the portals for Fringeworthy, same thing. You are trying, yeah. you have it downloaded into your head, essentially the dominant language. What is it within a thousand miles of the portal you come through? I think Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But still, similar. It, it doesn't effect. say. It doesn't say the distance or whatever. No, that's what we've been saying, right? Pretty, yeah. So, yeah, near. You know, the dominant language of the people who live nearby.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: And. um Could be a thousand miles, could
2: be a hundred, could be less. I I get, well, also we have the things of like, you know, well, portals or what happens if these portals are less than a thousand miles. Okay, it's the dominant language of the undefined area. And it's something that the portal system would say, okay, let's see, the nearest portal is a hundred miles away. So it's the dominant language of, let's say, 50. And the same with that other portal if you come through. It's the dominant language within 50 miles of this particular portal. Since they're close to each other, yeah. But still, that would be... Kinda of along the same lines as the constant tongues effect in the hinterland, where you're having something download idiomatic knowledge of a of a language into your
0: brain. Mm-hmm. Something has to be uh, basically a, um, putting together that information. Okay? Yeah. So you be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Or it's magic. Okay. Which is a cheat word yeah. to say it just happens. Okay. But in in but in something like a. You know, a virtual reality, this is this is something that would be very important in the game and you'd want to make sure it was there in some way. OK, you know, and, you know, in modern days, you know, uh, you could theoretically have a machine that basically takes, you know, knows all the languages in the world. And then when you say words, it automatically recognizes it and then interprets, puts it to another language, you know, and, and sends it on to somebody. Or, as you type in words, it, it doesn't auto-translate. Yeah, I mean, and it we, would
2: it, it would have to be idiomatic knowledge of the language of all right. eras. Because, yeah. again, as I tell my players this, and we deal with languages, culture and la- and I tell this to my coworkers too, culture and language affect each other. If you were to, and even through time, you could have two people drop into the hinterlands, yeah, they spoke but. Bleh, Um, You could have two people who speak American English. One is from 1900, one is from 2000. They will not understand each other because how the language has changed in 100 years. Mm -hmm. If you were to tell somebody 50 years ago about the World Wide Web, and this is the example I use, somebody from 1950 would think, oh my God, spiders have taken over the planet and everything's covered up. No, it's an information network accessed by computer. So yeah.
0: What's a computer?
2: Exactly. So you would have to have, this system that translates languages would have to have a longitudinal and temporal knowledge of said language. And you also have to deal with cultures. We all know that American English, British English, and Australian English, they all come from the same core. But because the cultures are so bad, well, Britain, Australia, not quite as different as American, but Australian culture still is different than British culture. So you would have to have this computer system go, okay. Let's say, you know, oh, we're doing it for, and I'll use the initials, S and G. Well, you have someone from Ireland, they would say, oh, I'm doing it for the crack, spelled C-R-A-I-C. It means the same thing. You're just doing it for the fun of it. But with that idiomatic knowledge of the various cultures using the same language, it would have to translate as that. If you were in the hinterland, you're dealing with some Irishman who says, I'm doing it for the crack. Well, in our country, we all there's two meanings for the word crack, and we'd be like, what? And it would translate instantly in our head as, oh, he's doing it for S and G or for the fun of it. Okay. So yeah, this would have to be a system that would have to know every language ever invented of all the races that, that, that they are choosing from to pop into this environment and translate it where you would know instantly whatever idiom spits out of their head, it would be in your head as, oh, it's this. So yeah, it, and as I said, also longitudinal. 1900 and 2,000 Americans you know they'd still have to be able to understand each other. So yeah, it would have to be a system with the most extensive linguistic database ever imagined. just yeah and only the Termellor could come up with something like that. Just yeah I, I would I, I would definitely see that the tongues effect you would just have to write it off as magic because no one would be like, wait a minute, this thing is able to translate every language through every time period in every universe and we all understand. Yeah, that would just be something that to anyone it would be mind blowing. The people in almost Canada's University of Windsor, who basically are pretty much some of the smartest people in the hinterland, that would just make them, you know, clutch their knees and rock back and forth on their haunches because of just this concept.
0: <laughs> but if you believe you're in a, a virtual reality, then it actually would be a lot more believable and not well,
2: yeah, but still, you would sit there and realize, oh, dear God, the type of linguistic database that can translate any word that comes out of any being here who come from all over. They would still just either their minds would shut down or they would light up going, we must find out more,
1: you know. And, well, and again, that kind of points to, like, giant Matryoshka brain orbiting a star, you know, layers yep. upon layers of computer processors just yep doing nothing but processing. Yep. Oh,
2: this is just the language server. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's that's floor five hundred and eighty-two.
2: Yeah, the subroutine for idioms is over in this part of the linguistics database. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it would just be that matrioska brain would just have to have its own section on just every language ever known throughout time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and that...
1: multi space. What was that? And multi space.
2: Well, yeah, because every each universe, you know, you have languages that are pigeons. It's like. Uh, I believe it, oh, God, uh, Cat notes, Scott Expedition. Mm-hmm. In his journal, there were pigeons of languages. Not just, you know, oh, look, here's English, here's French, here's Spanish. Oh, wait a minute, here's an Inuit-Aztec hybrid pigeon language. Oh, and here's another, and because he wrote this stuff all down when he was on the world, and then he leaves the world, and, it, you know, it's a beavis. what the hell is this crap? You know, because he couldn't understand it, the language was gone. Because he came right. back through the portal, he couldn't read the notes he had written maybe an hour before.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I always recommend to my players to stay on the world long enough to actually learn some semblance of the tongue that you're speaking so that you can keep it when you leave. But, yeah, uh, all right. Yeah. So, um, all right. The, uh, 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 another uh, advantage of a, um, uh, of a virtual reality is, is that they're all, Whatever it is that you need for your story, there's going to be that resource available somewhere so that the story can continue. So, um, you know, the the hitter uh, land, you know, is full of strange deposits of things, as you just mentioned, you know, you, you need to travel between environs, but it, the, 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 the place is full of carnus, you know, uh, carna squids and, and other things like that. So you can't use a boat. However, are we going to get from one place to another?
2: Well, they tried um, hot air balloons at first, but they were just slow. And then they found the DC3s, converted them to alcohol and biodiesel use. And so CAKE was born, the Certified Alliance of Key Environments. Yeah. Right. And yeah. The point and
0: this the- is that they found a huge pile of DCs.
2: Yeah, it's like twenty okay. between twenty nine and fifty seven thousand. I think was the figure I read. Yeah, in, yeah. In various in various conditions. Conditions. Yeah.
0: states of, of of decay or dismantle or whatever. Yeah, like that you know. And of course, just not to make it too easy, it's also being you know held by you know absolutely the, un uh un uncommun un, 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 people who are not uh, natives who are completely unwilling yeah. to communicate with anybody besides themselves. Yeah, you know, the I die and yep. or protect this holy ground yeah for them they worship the the ii garnash yeah yeah
2: and oh i'm a i'm and because by the time this airs it will have already happened yeah i'm about to unleash the ii garnash on my players in two days so yeah this will be interesting
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you're hearing this noise as you're walking through rescuing the people you've been hired to get from the boneyard I I guardosh I I because that's what they sing and that's what they're called by that and you're just yeah. hearing this constantly just I I guardosh yeah so yeah and and even the the environs were laid out where oh there might be bauxite iron and aluminum on this environ over here in New Pittsburgh we got the DC threes over on New Akron we have the lightning crystals over here on Anson's Kingdom and I do believe we did. Many ages ago, Bruce, again, back in the days of John and Blix, or at least you, me, and John, setting up Triangle Trades in the Hinterlands. I believe that was an episode or two we did. It was. Okay, so yeah, they they did that as a matter of survival. Oh, yeah, by the way, we we have these DC-3s, and we have some fuel. Well, we got all this corn over here that we can, you know, you got fields and fields of corn that we can, you know distill and give you guys fuel and then you can bring us this and so that's how cake was born this mutual need of trade and information because i have this resource i have this one this one over here has this and then right. of course anson being a jerk with the lightning crystals and you know yeah so but
0: yeah well that was his resource okay? well yeah you know? and, and he's and, playing and it for all it's no, worth. Yeah. no environ stood alone they all required trade in order to you know, be more than subsistence living. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and so you know, which again, you know, because it's so obviously a artificial environment, you could say, well, that was the way they designed it. They wanted people, the 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 people who came to live there to need each other, and they they did all this kind of stuff. So it was all part of the design. That I'm just that. Saying, mm. Well, it is re- if it's artificial yeah. reality it's it also follows the same kind of rules you know you don't want anybody to just you know stay in one little location you want them to be you know energized to go to other places you know to find things that are missing you know to bring things together and then do greater things with those things and go out again to do even to do even more exploration
2: i'm so- i'm seeing this as more of an argument to say that the hinterland was made as a giant social experiment by the commonwealth oh let's just pluck people from all over the multiverse put them here and see how they react we have these situations these resources on these are they going to band together and you know do mutual trade and beneficial information uh swapping or are they going to hoard it all and you know be jerks like they were on the world and fight over resources and with the Hinterland, they a lot of people decided, oh, I have a second chance at life. And where you have, oh, a CEO becomes a just, you know, a, a shopkeeper. And you know, a a short order cook at a diner is now a chef and has his own restaurant, which is, you know, like Michigan Michelin Michigan, Michelin star level. And so yeah, this just gives more of an argument for if the Hinterland whether it's a digital environment or actually the whole real world, you know, in the shells of a Dyson sphere with a Mar- Matryoshka brain, either way, it's a social experiment. The powers that be just want to find out, how do the people we bring here, how are they going to work out? I, it just gives more fuel to that fire for me.
1: Uh, if you ha- but yeah, if you uh, incorporate some of these ideas into your game, definitely let us know. How do they let us know, Trav? That would be
2: fans of the Gaming on the Frontier podcast on Facebook were the RG, RPG fans on Facebook uh if you want to throw in something for Bureau 13 Bureau 13 agents everywhere we are available at tritexsystems.podbean.com, iTunes uh we are now available through Spotify I don't think there's a comment section but you can get this there's podcast a rating, I
1: think what I, th- I think there's a rating I'm not sure okay well
2: well as far as contacting us and letting us yeah. know, what you did with all this information? We've been saying those are the various venues that I know of that we've had, and of course, contacting us on social media if you know us will be more than happy to answer questions.
0: All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to us ramble on, hopefully coherently, uh, for the uh, uh, last two hours. And well, that's uh, where
1: the editing comes in. Yep.
0: And uh, and we will have more for you under strangeness, and hope and hopefully even more interesting. Uh, But you'll have to wait until next week. So until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
0: Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction. And any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.